1: This is the VEASAN Daily Baseball Bets. Here is Adam Burke. Hello once again, everybody. Thank you for joining me here on this Friday, July 28th edition of VEASAN Daily Baseball Bets. I'm your host, Adam Burke. Glad to be with you as we wrap up this week on the podcast. Plenty of things to talk about on today's 15 game card. But before I get into that. We are under a week away from the release of the 2023 VSIN College Football Betting Guide. Final edits are being made. Proofs are being put together for the PDF version of that guide. We'll also have it posted over at vsin.com for you to check out. But the only way to get that guide is to become a VSIN subscriber. So, whether you do the introductory offer, the summer kickoff special, or just get an annual subscription that'll run one year from the day that you sign up, you can get VSIN Pro All Access with any of those subscription options. The introductory offer, good for a month, summer kickoff special through February 11th, and the annual would, of course, be a year from when you sign up. So check out vson.com slash subscribe. We are very, very happy about that publication, excited to put it out. Team previews for all 133 teams, season win total best bets, futures, props from staff, some feature articles in there as well, my college football home field advantage refresh, how to put together a basic college football power ratings model, uh, thoughts on the Heisman Trophy, all kinds of good stuff in that guide. So check that out over at vcin.com when it is released on August 3rd. And also, speaking of football, if you're getting YouTube TV so you can get NFL Sunday ticket, check out Vison You can do that if you get the Sports Plus package with YouTube TV and watch the Sports Betting Network 24-7 on YouTube TV. So if you're doing that for Sunday ticket, make sure you check out v because our programming is on there all of the time. All right, a couple of things before we get into today's card specifically. The first, of course, is that we're going to get some starters that get scratched over the next three or four days, over the next five days, quite frankly, as the trade deadline approaches on Tuesday, believe it's 6 o'clock Eastern time. I'm doing that live trade deadline blog over at vsin.com. I still have to add last night's David Robertson deal, the first sign that the Mets will officially be sellers. They got Max Scherzer on the bump today. He's a guy who could be on the move. Jordan Montgomery going for the Cardinals. He's absolutely a guy that will be on the move. So not a whole lot of starters whose names are being talked about in the trade markets, but those are two of them. So you want to be on your toes with those potential trades. It's more important than ever to make sure you're selecting listed pitchers for these games because the last thing you want is to be on the Cardinals and Jordan Montgomery gets traded and some random reliever starts and all of a sudden the price is, you know, a whole lot different and you didn't really bet the game based on that or even being on the Cubs where you take them in a dog roll wherever it's posted against Montgomery then all of a sudden Montgomery gets scratched because a trade is pending, well, you know, then you end up with the Cubs at a much worse number. So again, make sure you're selecting listed pitchers in these games. But the other thing is, you know, try to understand the fabric of a team right now. You know, I mean, look at what the Angels did yesterday. And sure, the Tigers aren't a very good team, but the Angels looked very inspired yesterday. Won that doubleheader 17-4. to Obviously, Shohei Otani with one of the most incredible, impressive, ridiculous single days for any player in MLB history with a complete game one hitter and then two homers in game two. But, you know, the trade deadline is, from an emotional standpoint, different for every team. So if you're a buyer, it can give you that kick in the ass. If you're a seller, the reality sets in that you have underperformed relative to expectations and goals, and the season could be dead in the water for you. So keep that in mind. You know, it seems like the Padres, for example, who's laying a big number today against the Rangers. Things have to be very, very uncomfortable in that clubhouse right now with Blake Snell, Josh Hader, and Juan Soto, all possibly guys that could be traded, along with some of the other complimentary players that are either impending free agents or maybe just not fits. You know, it's very tough to lay a big number when you're in a situation where you've got a bunch of guys that could be on the move. So, you know, you got to try to keep that in mind here over the next few days and over the weekend. Specifically, the podcast will be back on Monday. On Tuesday, I'll figure out how I'm going to do a trade deadline show probably after all the dust settles. So it'll be out late as games are kind of going on. I won't do a traditional show on Tuesday. Just want to make that known. Hopefully you're listening. I will not be doing a traditional show on Tuesday, breaking down games. It'll be breaking down trades and looking at the futures market and all of that. So, you know, it's a difficult weekend, I think, for betting baseball in some respects. I think you want to look at the situation for each team, any starting pitchers that could be involved, stuff like that. Also, relievers. Managers may shy away from them. You know, if the Padres get into a save situation over the weekend here, will they use Josh Hader? If it's a back-to-back, will they use Josh Hader? Because they know that they can get some decent prospects for him. And the last thing that you want to do is, you know, jeopardize his health and jeopardize a potential trade. So that may be a thing too. A high leverage reliever may not be deployed. We saw that last night with the Mets where they didn't use David Robertson in that same situation and then wound up trading him. So that was why they went with Brooks Raley in that ninth inning spot. So keep that in mind, too, that you know, if it's a high-leverage reliever on the block, he may not be used in the way that you expect him to be. All right, let's talk today's card. Going to try to get through this pretty quickly. That was kind of a long intro. I got four plays on the board for today, so we'll get to those last as usual. We start with the battle of the Keystone State. Phillies, Pirates, Zach Wheeler, Mitch Keller in this one. The Pirates trading away Carlos Santana yesterday. That was to be expected. We've seen a lot of teams. We saw the Marlins do this a couple of years ago. We saw Pittsburgh kind of do this as well. A lot of teams will get guys on one-year deals looking to spin them at the trade deadline as a way of sort of buying prospects you know that you can get that are maybe closer to being Major League ready. Now, that's not the case with Johnny Severino, who the Pirates got for Santana, but you know, it is an option for teams if they are looking to go that route. Uh, Santana, of course, going to the Brewers in that deal. But in this game here today, Wheeler 388 ERA, 327 expected, 288 FIP. High Babip, low left on base percentage, despite some good contact management numbers and also a good strikeout rate. Wheeler still a positive regression candidate throughout the last two months of the season here. And You know, the Phillies are going to be in a position to decide if they want to sign Aaron Nola or sign Zach Wheeler or neither of them. So, you know, we'll see what they decide to do here in terms of the long term. But, you know, for Wheeler, a guy that he's got much better numbers than his ERA would indicate here for this season. So a guy that I am looking at as somebody who I think should experience some positive regression as we go throughout the second half here in Wheeler. A uh, year and a half left on his deal. The Phillies very much in the playoff picture, so they won't be a seller. They won't trade Nola. They won't trade Wheeler, anything like that. Uh, I'd be shocked if they traded anybody off the major league roster. They're in more of a position to buy. But you know, Wheeler is a guy they will have to make a decision on as they go forward. As far as Mitch Keller goes, his ERA is now higher, 4.01, than it was last season at 3.91. Last two starts, the reason why. 14 runs on 19 hits and 11 innings pitched. The velocity looks fine, but you know his swinging strike percentage is down, his strikeout rate is down, his walk rate is up over the last month and a half or so, and then he's had these last two pretty rock out, rocky outings. So not a whole lot of confidence in Keller. Definitely think Wheeler a positive aggression guy, but that's kind of built into that line with the Phillies laying $1.55 in a total of 8.5. Again, weird spot here for the Mets. They take on the Nationals. Mackenzie Gore, Max Scherzer, in this one, Scherzer in the Mets dollar 90 favorite or so total of eight and a half in this one. Scherzer could be on the trade market, although when you look at him and his peripherals, Justin Verlander's are better. So that's why we're seeing kind of more buzz about Verlander possibly being on the move as opposed to Scherzer with both guys getting 43 million for next season. Uh, so Scherzer, I'd be surprised, actually, if he got traded. Uh, but, you know, obviously, there's always a chance that he does and could get scratched. For this start. But for him here. Last four starts. 14 runs on 18 hits. That includes seven shutout innings against the Dodgers. Right after the break. Gave up four homers in his last start at Fenway Park. And nine over his last four starts. So Scherzer. The command profile is just not particularly good. But Mackenzie Gore. He's been very inconsistent here. Last six starts. 5 one Earned runs allowed. Or total runs allowed. So. Look, he's been better on the road than he has been at home, at least from a WOBA standpoint. So maybe he pitches well in this game here at City Field, but not a whole lot of interest in this game, especially with the situation for the Mets, who are clearly the better team. But, you know, their season uh, may be over at this point in time. The Brewers and the Braves, Adrian Hauser and Yanni Chirinos in this one. Hauser struck out 10 Braves the last time he faced them six days ago. He up three runs on six hits. That was a pretty surprising outing, to be totally honest with you. But over his last four starts, 50.8% hard hit percentage, 12.3% barrel rate, 344 Babbitt, but an 88% left on base percentage. A lot of negative regression signs in the profile for Hauser based on his recent returns and, of course, now facing the Braves for the second straight time. Atlanta picked up Yanni Chirinos from Tampa, and it does not look good for Chirinos this season. 402 ERA, which is fine, but a 637 expected ERA, 552 FIP, 47 percent hard hit rate, barrel percentage over nine percent. Just not a whole lot to like about what we've seen from Torino. Series a pitch to contact guy, very very low strikeout rate. Don't really love that going to Atlanta where it's almost always hot and humid uh, for the for the majority of the baseball season. So I thought about the over ten in this one. Ultimately didn't get to it though because. These two teams combined have been basically league average against righties on the season. And the big thing for Milwaukee, they draw a lot of walks. But the one thing about Torino's that he has done well this season is limiting walks. So no play for me in this one. I wouldn't be shocked if this becomes a shootout, a slow pitch softball game. But I couldn't play the over 10 in that one. No starter name for the Cubs, but they've rattled off six in a row. They win yesterday. Kind of a messy situation. Ian Happ hits Wilson Contreras on his backswing. Contreras has to leave the game with a cut on his head. They embrace as Contreras is walking off. Yet Miles Michaelis throws at him twice, once up and in, then hits him the second time, then gets ejected from the game. Dakota Hudson came in and uh, threw some fuel on that fire, and the Cubs had a big first inning and rolled to another victory. For the Cardinals, again, I don't know if Jordan Montgomery makes this start. I don't know who's going to start for the Cubs seems like Drew Smiley will be the bulk guy, but this is one where the Cardinals are basically a lock to trade Montgomery. And I realized that yesterday they had to kind of blow the bullpen up a little bit. I wouldn't risk Montgomery in this start if I was them. Anything can happen, but we'll see if he ultimately ends up making the start. No line across most of the market here with the Cubs not naming a starter as of yet. My guess is kind of maybe like Michael Fulmer opens for Drew Smiley, something like that but no line on that game as of now. Last game in the NL, Reds and the Dodgers. Brandon Williamson, Bobby Miller here in this one. The Dodgers just picked up a couple of guys they hope will help against lefties and Kike Hernandez and Ahmed Rosario, which I talked about on yesterday's show. Williamson is a lefty, 460 ERA, 557 expected, 516 FIP. Not really in love with this matchup for him. Over his last seven starts, he's been better, 394 ERA, 428 FIP, but he is a guy who issues a lot of walks, will give up home runs, although he's only allowed two in his last five starts. Three runs on seven hits and 12 innings since the All Star break, but not super excited about this matchup for Williamson against the Dodgers team that has hit lefties better than their recent trade acquisitions would suggest. And also, they draw a lot of walks and they hit for a lot of power. So, those are two things that are concerning in Williamson's profile. Also, for Bobby Miller, You know, look, 428 ERA, 381 expected, 363 FIP. Started his career off really nicely. Two runs on 12 hits in his first 23 innings. Since then, 682 ERA over his last six starts. But two decent efforts coming out of the break here. Four runs on 10 hits and 10 and two thirds. So no play for me in that one. But let's continue to see if the Dodgers are a buyer out there as we move forward towards the trade deadline. Let's go through the American League games. I don't have a play on Then We'll take a short break here. We start with the Angels and the Blue Jays. Lucas Giolito making his Angels debut against Kevin Gaussman and the Blue Jays. For the Angels here, good for them sweeping that doubleheader. Good for them, presumably, deciding that they're going to buy. But look at this stretch that they have. This last series here in the month of July and then going through August. They play three at Toronto, three at Atlanta, four at home against Seattle, three at home against the Giants, three in Houston, three in Texas, three against Tampa Bay, three against Cincinnati, three at the Mets and three at the Phillies. So all of those teams to some degree in the playoff mix, some of them division leaders like Atlanta, like Texas, Uh, Tampa Bay is obviously up there in that discussion as well in the East, despite trailing Baltimore right now, that is is a very difficult stretch for the Angels. So while I understand wanting to keep Otani, while I understand wanting to buy when you're in close proximity, I don't think they're as good as most of those teams, if not any of those teams. So this is a difficult stretch here for the Angels that starts today with Giolito, California kid. I'm sure he'll be excited to get back to the West Coast and make his first start in Anaheim. 379 ERA, 444 expected, 446 FIP. When he's been bad, he's been really, really bad. When he's been good, he's been really good. So we'll see if he's really good today against the Blue Jays, but I'm not going against Kevin Gossman here. One bad start per month. Maybe it was the last one. Gave up four home runs to the Mariners. Uh did strike out nine over six innings, but a 317 ERA, 277 FIP. His four worst starts, including his last one, account for 26 of the 48 runs he's allowed. So in his other 16 starts, he's given up 22 runs total. So Gallus has been really high, uh, you know, kind of high floor for him and a high ceiling as well. So no play in this one, but let's see what Giolito looks like. The other thing I want to mention quickly here is that I'm always wary of a starting pitcher that joins a new team because they're going to try to make adjustments, right? The, the acquiring team is going to have some idea of how to better optimize or fix something that you're doing. So... The pitcher has to go through these conversations with the coaches, has to develop a rapport with the catchers, so you never really know how these things are kind of going to to shake out and break down, so I think it's tough to back guys in their first starts with a new team. Yeah, I'm sure Giolito is very excited to go from the hapless White Sox to a team in the playoff hunt in the Angels, and again, a team that represents a homecoming for him in the L.A. area, but still, from a baseball standpoint, there's a feeling out process that has to go on. So we'll see how that goes here with Giolito. You know what? Let's actually take that break right now and come right back on VSIN Daily Baseball Bets. all right, we're back here on Veasan Daily Baseball Bets. Please make sure you rate, review, subscribe. Five star reviews always welcomed here for this and all of the shows in our Veasan family of podcasts. We go to Cleveland and Chicago. Xavion Curry and Tuki Toussaint in this one as the Guardians look to keep rolling here, and the White Sox again. As I mean, I, I've talked about this a lot, and I was against the White Sox again last night. We've cashed three straight days going against the White Sox, they just don't look invested. They don't look engaged. Giolito's gone now. Lance Lynn will be next to go. I could still see them potentially trading Dylan Cease, uh, another bullpen arm likely to go, and Aaron Bummer. Uh, this team will be bad the rest of the way, and, and the farm system is not very good. They kind of need a refresh here, and I think that you can see that by them throwing out a guy like Toussaint here in this one who... Look, 395 ERA, 475 FIP, and 27 and a third, but 23 to 17 strikeout to walk ratio. Somehow he's only allowed a 206 batting average on balls in play, 35.7% hard hit percentage. He's a guy that's kind of effectively wild in some respects, uh, but wild is kind of the operative term there, and if Cleveland is patient, they will find pitches to hit in this game. Zavion Curry probably only going to go, only going to go three innings here, in this one for Cleveland, this will be kind of a bullpen game for them. So not going to get invested laying a dollar forty. Curry also has some negative regression signs in the profile, but this price is just too rich for me. However, again, I mean, I think the White Sox are probably a good fade as we go forward throughout the rest of the season. Phenomenal pitching matchup in Houston, at least potentially, between Shane McClanahan and Christian Javier. McClanahan, 289 ERA, 395 expected, 380 FIP in 106 innings pitched. Uh, You know, look, he's battled a variety of different ailments here. His walk rate is higher than it's been in previous seasons. He's had some other issues as well. You know, 40.6% hard hit percentage. That's up over 8% from last year. Barrel rate up 3% from last season as well. But a high left on base percentage of 83.8%, really saving his ERA for the year. Let's see what he does against this right-handed, heavy Astros lineup. But the more interesting thing to me is Christian Javier. 432 ERA, 447 expected, 428 FIP. Strikeout percentage is down 11% from last year. Home run rate is up. Increase in barrel percentage, increased in hard hit percentage. He's allowed nearly as many hard hit balls this season, 108, as he did last season, 111, in 46 and two-thirds fewer innings. Since June 9th, 752 ERA, 575 and 32 and a third. Last seven starts, strikeout percentage under 15%. So Javier has been, frankly, bad. He's just been downright bad. And, And you wonder if there's an underlying injury situation, if it's a confidence thing. I don't know. What I do know is that the Rays' offense absolutely blows this month. So that could help Javier in this game. But... I think it's a really big red flag if the Rays go out there and beat up on him. So, you know, the Astros probably going to be in the market for some starting pitching help and, and maybe being able to give Javier a chance to kind of, you know, have a phantom IL stint, correct himself, maybe come back in September and be a better version of, you know, the pitcher that we know he can be because last year he was phenomenal down the stretch run for the Astros. So a lot of ugly numbers in the profile for Javier right now, to say the least. Quick handicap coming on this one. Twins and the Royals, no interest in this game at all. Twins laying about $1.70 in this one, total of nine and a half or 10. Sonny Gray and Brady Singer. Look, for Brady Singer, he's been a bit better. I mean, this is kind of the Jordan Lyles theory of like, well, he couldn't be any worse. So, of course, he's been a little bit better. I still wouldn't call him trustworthy, but he's only allowed four barrels in his last five starts. Hard hit percentage under 42%, which is good because it's 51% for the season. But the Twins, Top five offense against righties this month, so this could be a difficult spot for Singer. And of course, like it is in most places, hot as hell in Kansas City. So, you know, could be another tough day for Singer. Could be a tough day for Sonny Gray as well. We're seeing some cracks in the armor for him. 315 ERA, but a 406 expected ERA, 290 FIP. The FIP is great because he's only allowed three home runs, but over his last 10 starts, strikeout percentage down to 18%. 442 ERA in that span, giving up more hard hit contact, kind of struggling a little bit. So could see some runs in that game, but obviously it's very tough to back Kansas City in any context here for this season. We go to the interleague side of things, the Tigers and the Marlins, Reese Olsen, Braxton Garrett in this matchup here. And of course, the last time that Miguel Cabrera will play in Miami, retiring after the season, goes back to Miami where it all started. Should be pretty interesting to see what kind of celebration they have for him, especially you know in light of the World Series team that they had. What was that, 2003, I believe? I don't know. It feels like a long time ago. Maybe it is the 20-year anniversary of that team. So maybe it makes sense that Miguel Cabrera uh, back there with the Marlins here for this weekend. The Tigers lost out on a travel day. I wonder if they kind of planned to go to South Beach or something and instead had to get swept by the Angels on a hot-ass day at Comerica Park. So not really a whole lot of positive vibes for them. Not many positive vibes for the Marlins either, who have had a terrible second half here. And Braxton Garrett specifically really struggling. Ten runs allowed on 13 hits in his last seven and two-thirds innings pitched. Just gave up three homers to the Rockies in a home start. First time since May 3rd. He's given up multiple home runs in an outing. So not really a great look for Braxton Garrett here of late. And this may just be a correction. You know, he's got a forty-seven point three percent hard hit percentage on the year, ten point two percent barrel rate. So he had a three seventy ERA and a three forty four FIP. You know, going into, um, you know his going into this start. So, you know, look, I mean, it's it's one of those things for Garrett where maybe this is just the numbers kind of correcting for him. The numbers sort of, you know, kind of falling apart as his ERA is up 55 points based on those last two starts. So that was his numbers going into the All-Star break, comes out of the break, having a lot of issues here. For Reese Olsen, look, he's right-handed, so that helps. Miami's a top-five offense against lefties. They have been throughout the course of the year. Rough start last time out for Olsen. Uh, 12 of his 22 runs, actually, have come in two of his 10 appearances. For the most part, he's been pretty good, but he has allowed a lot of barrels. We'll see if he can stay out of that at Marlins Park. But this is a place that, suppresses offense so maybe a good opportunity here for Olsen to have a good start uh no play for me in that game I think there are a lot of moving parts here especially because you know the Tigers may trade some bullpen arms may trade Michael Lorenzen uh the Marlins appear to quasi be a buyer although obviously their performance here in the second half doesn't really warrant it so we'll see what happens in that one One other interleague game I don't have a play on is the Rangers and the Padres. Dane Dunning, Joe Musgrove in this one. And I think a lot of people are just going to do a surface level handicap of this game and be like, well, how the hell can Texas be plus 140, plus 145 with a guy on the mound who's got a 310 ERA in Dane Dunning? But again, as I've talked about a lot and as I wish I would have played against, Dunning, 318 ERA, 495 expected, 418 FIP. Gave up five runs on seven hits in three innings last time out. There are a ton of regression signs in the profile. Low strikeout rate, hard hit rate is nothing to write home about. He's just gotten really fortunate with stranding dudes. And the Padres' offense has been good. You know, it's it's been a variety of issues for the Padres over the course of this season, but recently their offense has been pretty decent. They just, you know, they score runs, then they give up a lot or they have bullpen meltdowns or, or whatever the case may be. They just can't put it all together. The guy who has put it all together, though, is Joe Musgrove. Last 11 starts, two ERA, 282 FIP, 67 to 10 strikeout to walk ratio. Hasn't allowed more than three runs in any of those 11 starts. Hard hit percentage, 28 and percent, 2.8 percent barrel rate. So he's been phenomenal. So that's why you get this number where it is. And maybe he won't be phenomenal today. Maybe the Rangers will take care of business, but. That's why this number is so high because Musgrove has been so good and Dunning has a lot of those concerning signs in the profile. So will see what happens in that one. But like I said, I think a lot of people are just going to go, well, how can this guy with a 318 ERA be such a big dog on the team that you know leads the American League West division? And it's because Joe Musgrove has been so good. So that's frankly the reason why. And we'll see if he's able to keep it going here in this one. All right, so four plays for today. Let's get to them here. We start in the American League, and we start with the Yankees and the Orioles. Yankees laying a short price here in this one. $1.25 favorite. Total of 8.5 with Grayson Cole or Garrett Cole and Grayson Rodriguez here. A couple of hard throwers in this matchup. Rain is in the forecast. This game could get rained out. Depends on where the storms kind of are. Also, a little concerned that there could be a rain delay that knocks both of these starters out. However, I think the under was worth a gamble here in this one. So Grayson Rodriguez did pitch better in his first start back against the Dodgers. Uh, one up, you know, giving up a couple of inherited runners that scored on that Brian Baker Grand Slam uh, that Chris Taylor hit, but he was better in that game. The stuff looked better. The stuff looked more explosive. Same thing last time out against the Rays. Two runs on three hits, five and two thirds, six strikeouts, couple of walks. By game score, it was the second best start of the season. And the stuff just looks a lot better. And the Yankees, yeah, their offense has been terrible ever since Aaron Judge went out. You know, I saw a tweet today, I think it was from Ryan Fagan, that Aaron Judge hasn't played since June 3rd and still leads the Yankees in home runs by three. This is just a bad, bad, bad offense without him. And he won't be there today. And Grayson Rodriguez is throwing the ball better. The Yankees have been striking out a lot against some super pedestrian dudes. So I think Rodriguez has a chance to really rack up some punchies tonight. I think he'll be good. And Garrett Cole is good pretty much all the time. 278 ERA, 360 expected, 334 FIP. Hasn't allowed more than three runs in a start since May 28th. That's only happened twice in a span of nine starts. 259 ERA, 287 FIP. 21 strikeouts and 12 and a third since the break. Two dominant outings for him. The Orioles bullpen has kind of stabilized throughout the week. Luis Bautista hasn't pitched since Sunday. Yannir Cano has had a couple of days off as well, so he's had some time to figure some things out. Yankees pen in good shape. But to me, it's this is a selling point for Rodriguez. High swinging strike rate last time out, good hard hit percentage. He's pounding the strike zone early in the count, getting some consistent chases. I think he's good tonight. I think Garrett Cole is good tonight. Like under 8.5 minus 105 in this one between the Yankees and the Orioles. We jump down to the interleague portion of the card, the A's and the Rockies. Now, this is a tricky one because we don't have a starter yet determined for Oakland. It's supposed to be J.P. Sears. It could be an opener. I guess we'll wait and see. But what I decided to do here is play the Rockies team total over five and a half. So the Rockies are a favorite minus one twenty five minus one thirty total of eleven in this one. So here's the thought process. So J.P. Sears is a fly ball guy, right? First of all, in Colorado, it's a terrible thing, right? The ball carries in elevation. Being a fly ball guy makes it very difficult for you. The second thing is, aside from the home runs, although Sears has allowed 24 of those in his 20 starts, Coors Field, the outfield is enormous in this ballpark. So it's not just the elevation. It's not just what the thin air does to pitches. It's that the outfield is very, very big. So because of that, Coors Field is regularly, on an annual basis, far and away the highest batting average on balls and play venue in Major League Baseball. So for Sears, being a fly ball guy, that's going to mean doubles, that's going to mean triples, that's certainly got the chance to mean home runs. The Rockies have had their issues against lefties throughout the course of the season. That's definitely a concern for me. But for Sears, 419 ERA, 456 expected, 521 FIP. So that's not great. Rockies actually been pretty decent against lefties here in the month of July. Three thirty nine WOBA for them, and you know for Sears, I just don't, I don't love this fit at all in this ballpark, in this game. He allowed five runs on eight hits last time out. Also, Oakland's bullpen is terrible too, as we know. They just traded Shintaro Fujinami a couple of weeks ago or last week to Baltimore. He had been one of their better relief arms over the last little while, so. Rockies team total over five and a half minus one oh five at DraftKings shop around. Maybe you find a better number, but that's how I opted to play this one to avoid a pitching change or something like that, because even if Oakland uses an opener, Sears will be the bulk guy for this game because it's his turn in the rotation. If it's not, that's going to be some other gas can that they have. So I like Colorado over five and a half runs at minus one oh five in that one. Next up, we take a look at the Mariners and the Diamondbacks. Logan Gilbert and Tommy Henry in this one. Two teams going in opposite directions here. The Mariners are 14-8 and eight in July. The Diamondbacks, 6-14. and 14. But I actually like Arizona tonight. Short dog roll. They're plus 110 at DraftKings. You can probably find a few cents better elsewhere. Tommy Henry's been pitching pretty well, to be totally honest with you. 401 ERA, 429 expected, 514 FIP. Low strikeout rate, a little bit of a heightened walk rate. Fip will never like a guy like him. But he does have a 10.5% swinging strike percentage. Hasn't generated strikeouts as a result, but the Mariners do swing and miss a lot. So I think this puts them into a lot of two-strike counts tonight. And for Henry, 31.5% hard hit percentage on the season, 29.2% in his last 10 starts, and the Mariners have been bad against lefties throughout the course of the season here. For Logan Gilbert, the numbers are good overall, 388 ERA, 357 expected, 366 FIP. However, in two starts since the break, 21 hard-hit balls in 35 batted ball events. So he's not locating well at all. He's giving up a lot of loud contact right now. For Arizona, the offense hasn't been the issue. You know, they're 3-9 and in the second half, but they've scored 62 runs in 12 games. So, I mean, they've scored over five runs per game here. They're not really getting the pitching. I think today they could. I think Henry has a good chance against this Mariners lineup. He's a deceptive lefty that they've never really seen before. I like guys like that. Both of these bullpens kind of on equal footing, but the Mariners have used their bullpen extensively throughout the course of the season or throughout the course of the second half already. And Henry, he's been good at home. Three ERA, 297 Woba against. So I think there's enough here to take Arizona plus 110 or the best number you can find. Over Seattle. Last one for me here. Boston and San Francisco. Going to take a dog in this one. Going to take Boston over San Francisco. Here the Giants are a dollar forty favorite. Total of seven and a half with some over juice with Cutter Crawford and Logan Webb. So Logan Webb, the numbers are good. You know I'm taking a bit of a risk fading him here. Three forty eight ERA. Three fifty two expected. Three forty one FIP. Sixty percent ground ball rate. Low walk rate. Struck out over a batter per inning. However. Last time out, only faced 10 batters, gave up six runs on five hits. He's allowed a 45% hard hit percentage for the year and 49% over his last 10 starts. Just an 8.2% swinging strike percentage as well. Boston avoids strikeouts. I guess this is actually a decent matchup for them, despite the good numbers that Webb has had throughout the course of the season. Also, how about Boston here in the month of July? They have been the second best offense by Woba on the road at 353, 126 WRC. They've been very, very good offensively, both at home and on the road here this season. For Carter Crawford, 404 ERA, 373 expected, 434 FIP, but a 24% strikeout rate, 6% walk rate. Those are both good. High swinging strike percentage, good hard hit percentage, 35.8%. And he's been better on the road. That's not a big surprise with Fenway Park as part of the equation. But the thing I like here today, he's held lefties to a 292 weighted on base average. And that's kind of what you have to do against the Giants. You neutralize their lefties, you keep them in the park, and you can put yourself in a pretty good position. Giants, this month at home, 287 Woba, 82 WRC+. plus. So to me, I think this is a good chance to take here on the Red Sox. So Red Sox plus 120. Diamondbacks plus 110, the team total over for Colorado, 5.5 minus 105, and then the under 8.5 between the Yankees and the Orioles at 8.5 minus 105. So those are the four plays I've got here for today. Again, I will be doing the article on Saturday, updating that trade deadline blog throughout the weekend, and be doing a lot of that on Monday and Tuesday as more deals come through. So thank you so much for listening, everybody. Really appreciate it. Head to com slash Subscribe. Set yourself up to get that college football betting guide, and I will talk to you again here on Visa Daily Baseball Bets on Monday.
0: At Bet Three Six Five, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic, every home run, every hit, every inning, every play—from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field, whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet Three Six Five.
1: iHeart.